On today's episode, Dave interviews Mark Warseka. Mark is a Second City alumni and is currently the Associate Artistic Director of the Second City Hollywood. Mark was in six resident companies at Second City, and his satirical writing has been featured on ABC's Nightline, Newsweek Magazine, and The Washington Post. Mark's been a guest on CNN's The Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer and NPR's All Things Considered. He directed the Center Theater Group's production of the Second City's Christmas Carol, Twist Your Dickens, at the Kirk Douglas Theater in Los Angeles. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. And, and the idea of he is, he's, it's late night with Stephen Colbert. Right. And what, it's late night with Stephen Colbert on NBC. Yeah. It's not HBO. It's not Comedy Central. On CBS. See, I'm, probably, I'm sorry. It's on CBS. It's on CBS. It's on CBS. The number one network. Is it the number one network? Yeah. Do you, of the networks. It's the top of the broadcast networks, or what right. used to be the broadcast network. Right, 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 right. And uh, I think I wonder how I wonder how different if the, like because keep talking. About I, I'm sure for him, I'm sure for him, it must be amazing and overwhelming and cool. And also like he's still like a guy and a husband and a dad who's like getting up and going to his job every day. You know what I mean? So like there must be some part of it that's like this is just, it's just my normal life, and now I have this new job. And I, know, but I also, also the awareness of like this is this is cool this is great and the and the idea of because I don't think that he, I don't think he thinks how would we be able to do anything if we just and people do uh, not things when they just go oh the end result oh the end result oh or the pressure or what are people going to say he's never been that guy mm. I have I'm doing a short that's on, a great advantage I think as an artist. You know, I think for all of us as artists to try to to try to stay in the moment and just focus on doing our work and not and not try to cling too much to what we want the result to be. And well, that's so hard to I'm, do. I also want to show you this. All right, I'm doing this. Is I'm showing I'm showing Mark a script. This is a script of a show of a of a movie that I'm doing on Sunday. Okay. I have not done a scripted piece in so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, I'm looking at going. Jesus Christ, how the fuck do people memorize that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you go back to that place. That's what my mom says every time she comes sees a show. She's like, I don't know how they memorize all the lines. Right. But when right. you get away from it for a while, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, I have to memorize all these I, lines. I know. I know. And, and I, I feel like uh, I, I feel like I can't. It's not that I can't. I, I feel I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and she said, "I visualize, I, I see you, I see you knowing these lines." Yes. And then, I and then I started thinking, "Oh yeah, okay." So I see me knowing these lines. What does that look like? What does me knowing these lines look like? It looks like this. It doesn't look like me in front of the camera, knowing the lines. It looks like this. I walk into the shoot knowing the lines. Being confident. Does that make sense? Being confident when, before you get there. Right. Exactly. I do feel a calmness and I'm like, I know this. Right. I've got this. Yeah, I've got this. I yeah. know this. I got this. Yeah. Right. And, and it's that because if you start thinking about what – if you start thinking about what if I don't or if you start thinking of look at all that I have to do because you have to look at that a little bit. I think that you're par- – yeah, I think you get – not paranoid. I think you get paralyzed. This is – I mean the script you're showing me here has a – it seems like you've got a pretty significant part. This is a lot of lines. It is a lot. Right. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's also uh, based on they, they, they taped 
me do being uh, like a self-help guru. Mm -hmm. So they take me in front of people like uh, Dave Hill and um, Zabeth Russell mm -hmm. and Nick uh, uh, Nick Bush and like these guys great and it people. was really great people. Yeah. And they take me and it was me with those people and we all improvised it. And then you go, okay, great. We're going to improvise this, right? For the movie. They're like, no, we're going to script it. <laughs> and to be scripted from the words that you say, yeah. that's a hard thing to remember. Yeah. To memorize. Well, also then, aren't you going to want to be like, I think I could tweak this here and there. Well, I think they did say that I could tweak this here and there. <laughs> yeah. And the idea of me being able to it's tweak my, it. It's my lines, darn it. God damn it. I created I know, these lines. I know that there's a story here somewhere. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. How was Hawaii? Hawaii was really I great. Mean, the I, interesting thing about Hawaii, to go by yourself... Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about going by yourself to Hawaii is <laughs> you, the, the snorkeling that you want to do, it's harder to do by yourself. Because you feel weird about it? I feel, no, because I feel like I got to keep an eye on my shit. Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend's not there to watch it. My wife's not there to watch it. Yeah. But my shit's on the, there. And it's also <laughs> the idea of, and this is, what, this is the interesting thing, I got suntan lotion but I can only reach a certain point. And so I got a sunburn at a place that I couldn't reach that point. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to peel at a place that you can't reach the itch. <laughs> so that's what happened. Mm -hmm. No meal cost under $30. Really? Well, is this in Honolulu? This is, I was in Maui. I was in Hawaii. You're all over. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great. But, uh, but the thing is also, so you look at it, and because uh, somebody said to me, oh, it looks like your vacation's really going well. And it's not a vacation. Right, you're working. I it's work. It's a business trip. It's a business trip, but it's yeah. also a vacation because that's my life. Right. And you know because you travel a lot too. I do, yeah. Well, I was just having the same thought process because I'm going. I'm planning a trip to Detroit for the Detroit Improv Festival, right? Which is coming up soon. And I'm like, do I stay? Ex do I go just for the show, or do I make a vacation out of it? Or like, and then it's like, is it? I'm like, what is it in my mind? Like, am I? Is it? A, is it a leisure trip or is it a work trip? Or but so many of these things that uh, that we're lucky enough to get to go do in what right. we do. Right. It is like that. It's sort of the lines are are blurred where it's like. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of fun, and it's but it's kind of work. It's work. Well, this is the way that I look at it. I I go to a place, and because I don't even think about that anymore. I just think, okay, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to be working at night, so I'm going to have the day free. Uh huh. Uh -huh. I am going to fly in. I could fly in the day before the gig, or I can fly in three days before the gig. If I fly in three days before the gig, I got three days to fuck around. Yeah. And there's always something to do. Yeah. So. Uh, is somebody paying for my flight out there? That's one thing. If they're paying for my flight out there, uh, uh, I'm gonna. I might add an extra three days. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm paying for it, then I'm gonna just do my job and get out, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily always true either. I just. I love traveling. I fucking love traveling. Me too. Oh, I love it. And I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to have traveled as much as I've been able to doing what it is we do. Right. I mean. I really, I think more than anything else, I think that's the thing I'm most grateful for, to have the opportunity to have seen so much of the country and so much of the world. It's been so cool. I, 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 went, to, um, I went to Tokyo uh, right. just a few months ago, and that was really interesting in terms of what we're talking about, how you split the work and vacation, because the Japanese culture, I'd never been before, and the Japanese business culture is like, we host you the entire time. The only time they left me alone is when I was sleeping at night. 
They were there first thing in the morning to get me and stayed with me all night. And I mean, it was wonderful. They took me to meals. They took me everywhere. But even the stuff I wanted to do for fun, like I'd see on the schedule, we'd have the afternoon off. So I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go, you know, look at this temple and then check out this area. And they're like, great, we'll get a cab and take you over there. <laughs> you know, so they were like with me the whole time. Yeah. It was like wonderful. But it, it took me, I didn't know what was going to happen. So it like... It felt a little bit oppressive at first. I was like, ah, I got to be alone for a second. But then I was just, I kind of got into the groove of it was like, this is cool. They want to just like, I would also feel, me. I also think that it's part of the culture too. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Because the culture is not, is to, I would imagine, not be alone. I would think so. It's, it, I was over there and there are just so many people over there that I think the concept of, being alone? What is that? Like, what is the concept of being alone? Somebody asked me, I asked somebody um, the other day, do you like being alone? The idea of, because I, I said, when you travel, do you like traveling alone? And he said, no, I don't like it at all. And I, that get, that really shocks me because I love being alone. Yeah. I it's do, not that, it's not I that. I do too a lot, yeah, a lot of the time. Right. I, and, and so what's the foundation of loving being alone? The foundation is this. You're not alone. You're with you. Do you like being with you? Because if you like being with you, you're never alone. If you don't like being with you, here's my advice. Like being with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you can't get away from you. I mean, I, I feel like I was always like that to a certain extent. I would like what? elementary school. I'd You're go to like school what? all day wanting to be alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd go to school all day. I'd like school. I'd like being with people. I was social at school. And then when I got home, I would need like an hour in my room by myself to play with He-Man guys. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like it was like I needed that. Even at like seven, I was like, I need this decompression time. Right. Everybody, I right. need this little space to myself. You know, and I, I, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, I, that's still an important thing for me. If I've got to find that I'm a social person, but I've got to find that alone time every now and then. I get, that helps me to decompress in a right. way. And to also to, uh, to decompress, but what's that called when, when uh, a spy comes in and then they, they debrief? It also allows you to debrief yourself, mm -hmm. to go, okay, what just happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and just to mm -hmm. look at it and not to put judgment on it, just to say, I went here, I went there, I did that, I did this. Yeah. And when I'm, I think that the, the era of selfies, the area of taking photos for me, the era, the era of selfies, the era that we're in the era of selfies, the era of, of photographing everything, yeah. for me, it makes me feel less a, a, less alone right because i am sharing and i'm communicating with the outside world so i have the best of two of of both worlds or the best of a couple of worlds me too i'm always baffled when people are saying the internet the social media we're all on these devices and we're not connected with each other anymore we're not we don't talk to people anymore it's like i don't feel that way no nope. really there's there's dudes from high school i have to be in touch with for the rest of my life because, right. like i can't get rid of people you know what I mean? but i feel more connected to my social network than ever. I don't feel, I, I, I just feel like that's wrong when people say that these, I, I, these, these tools are separating us. I, don't I think also that's think, true. I also, it's really weird to me when people say, do you have to be on your phone every minute? Because I don't think, maybe people did this and I just don't remember. I don't think anybody said, you brought a book. Do you have to be on your book? Do you have to be reading your book every minute? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what I'm reading in my book and what I'm seeing on social media or whatever I'm, I'm interacting with at that moment, yeah. it's 
Uh, yeah, it's like, what, what was happening before? Were we all in line at the bank just chatting each other up? Right. No, we, we were, were just standing there silently. Right. We were standing there silently. <laughs> so if I'm standing there silently and I have, and I'm online, yeah. I, I think that, I think the disconnect, I think with certain people, the disconnect is when you're standing in line, are you standing in line? Wait, what do you mean? When you're standing in line, yeah. are you standing in line or are you wherever it is that you are on social media? Do you oh, understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I'm standing in line, I'm standing in line. Right. It's, a, it's a matter of being mindfulness. Of, uh, it's that mindfulness and that presence. And I think that when you disconnect from that saying, no, I'm in this other place, it's like, no, you're here. Right. So right now, take a look at the people that are in line. Right. Take a look at the place that you are right now. And, and when we travel and when we improvise also, it's that feeling of, uh, it, it's it's the um, the traveler's mind. The traveler's mind being, oh man, I've never been here before. Look at all the shit that's happening right now. It's the child, the child, the childlike mind. Oh my god, I've never seen that before. Uh, what what's what is that? What is that? Um, the mind of like somebody that's recently been freed from prison of some kind, or the mind of somebody that just recently broke up with somebody mm -hmm. after being in a long relationship. That feeling of oh, I'm here right now. I am here right now. Whereas I was. I was away. I am living in this world right now, and so I'm seeing things in a different way. Right? Am I making sense? Yeah. So that so that maybe this bothers some people of like not everyone's present here with me. Well, They're on with their me. phone instead of being present here with me. With me. The important thing there is the right. the phrase with me because you know what? That's your fucking deal. Right. If you can't deal with me being on the phone, I'm sorry. Right. And here's another thing: if I'm on the phone all the time and I'm with you, I have to look at do I want to be with you because that's my deal too. Right. It's the mindlessness. I don't, I don't mind ignorant people. I mind stupid people. Wait, people tell that tell you what the difference Ignorance is. is they don't know any better. Stupid people uh -huh. is they don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. 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 I guess. I guess it's a, it, you know, with this thing about alone, though, it was like when I got to the, when I got to the end of this trip, this Japanese trip where they did were. Did you just stay in Tokyo or did yeah, you Yeah, just else? in Tokyo. So you didn't you didn't do the add on three days add on three I days did. begin. You did. I was just with them the whole time. And then, but then they were with me every second. And in the end they said they said to this to me on the last night, my my host who, who worked for this company that I was there working for, they said, You may have noticed that we've stayed with you the whole time. And I said, Yeah, I noticed. And they said, This is because they said this is a this is part of the tradition of uh, Japanese business. Because we believe that if we only met you for lunch or only met you for the times that we're working, you could be able to show us one side of yourself and present only that to us. But we've never allowed you a moment to be by yourself on this trip. So you, you can't hide all of yourself from us for seven days straight. So we feel like we now have a better opportunity to know the whole person and who you are in, in, in different scenarios. Mm -hmm. like, okay. <laughs> it sounds to me like um, a, uh, a correctional officer could say the same thing to a prisoner. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have seen, we're not letting you out of our sight because we want to see if you're going to do something dangerous um, and we want to check it out. And that is such, a, that is such an interesting, <laughs> interesting because I'm really interested in it, uh, an interesting philosophy to watch that because I, I guess it's also that that Zen a Zen feeling of can you just be or are you putting something on uh -huh. because when right. you are putting something on 
it's not really, it's not, re, it's, you're not problem solving with us, you're alone, you're not, it, it, when, are you with us? Will you be with us? Are you with us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you doing there? Teaching improv and sketch comedy. With, for Second City or by yourself? It was for, it was booked through Second City, but I was working with a company called Yoshimoto Comedy, which Yoshimoto Comedy Oh, wait a minute. Like, were they here? Did you work with them here too? They have an office here in Santa Monica. Okay, fine. Then that's not what it's Yeah, they have a thing. Okay. Like they have a U.S. office here. Mm -hmm. but Yoshimoto Comedy is really interesting. It functions differently than than the United States entertainment industry does where they're a comedy company and they run 80% of the comedy market in Japan. It's very much like the old school like studio system in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So when you sign with Yoshimoto Comedy, they, are, they have 80% of the market and they are your manager, your agent. They own the top 12 comedy clubs in Japan. They make television, produce television, and produce movies. And are they the only game in town? Well, they, I mean, there are, there are like two other agencies that each have 10% of the market that are much smaller. Mm -hmm. But the culture is such that you can't really jump from one to the other like mm -hmm. people would here. It's sort of like if you leave, you're done for life at that. You know, right. like where you've You've burned your bridge. You've burned your bridge. So, um, so There's people, only one bridge. There's only one bridge. So people get into this system and they're, they're in it for life. Like they'll be part of Yoshimoto for life. And try to work their way up from club comedian to television star to movie star within this company. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's really, it was really it was well, amazing. So what were they asking you to do? Teach, okay, so they don't do any, any improvisation. Uh -huh. And they in really in Japan there's very little improvisation. Right. There was somebody there was a woman here that wanted me to work with with uh, students coming here from Japan. Oh, really? And it was at IO and she wanted to, me to work with them and we sat and we had a lovely meeting. Yeah. And then she decided that I wasn't right. Really? Well, yeah. She decided I wasn't right because my my philosophy isn't, you know, my philosophy and your philosophy, we certainly, there's, there's a larger intersection in that Zen, that ben, Zen diagram. That Venn diagram, Zen diagram, there's something. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's something within that, but uh, uh, she, I was more, I am more emotional based than I am bit based. Right, right. And she wanted bit based teachers. I, that makes sense to me based on what I saw of the yeah. comedy there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me because their comedy is the, the best analogy I could draw is if you think of vaudeville, mm -hmm. like when you go to the comedy club there, it's not improv. They don't have sketch comedy in the way that we do here in the United States, but they do what we would what what's similar to what we remember as vaudeville shows. So like the comedy show is solo acts or duo acts getting up for five to ten minutes each doing their, and they have their character and their persona. Right. It's the Abbott and Costello, it's the Three Stooges, it's the, this is the thing that they do. Right. And they become famous as their character or persona, and then that's what they do their whole life. They have their act. So improvisation, so it is very bit-based, and improvisation is, is a lot different for them. So you were dealing with artists, or you were dealing with teachers? Yeah, no, you... I've got to teach all professional comedians who work within the Yoshimoto system. How many? They, I think about 60 or 65 total. They put them in three groups. Of 20? Uh, yeah, of about 20 each, and uh -huh. they group them by experience. So we had a least experienced group, an intermediate group, and an extremely experienced group. Was the least experienced group the youngest group? Yes. Were there older people in the least experienced group? Yeah, but uh -huh. the older was not that old. Right. <laughs> 
right. you know, like right. the older people in the least experienced group were probably in their thirties, right. you know, late thirties, maybe, right. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so it, it was, so they were professional comedians. So that certainly was an advantage of, they already knew how to perform. Mm-hmm. So I sort of didn't have to teach, Here's, right. you know, they, don't they, turn your back to the audience and those kind of things. But like, it's also, I think in, in Japanese culture too, there's the idea of, uh, uh, um, shepherding someone to be uh, outgoing, to have an opinion. Is that right? Yes. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things culturally that make improvisation a challenge for the Japanese. And that's one of them. Like, you know, asserting your own point of view in a, even in, especially in like a socially satiric or even politically satiric type of way, isn't really done. Right. I think that that's what this woman had was her her challenge for yeah, me. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't hired because I'm all about your point of view. Right. Like get your point of view off. Know what your point of view is. Don't veer away from that. But in a culture where being wrong is so shunned upon, or standing out, yeah. is so shunned upon. Yeah. Or not, not well, not you know what I mean. They're they're just scared to they're they're so polite and it's like not really done to kind of stick your neck out and judge. They, me, I think they would feel as like you're you're judging things, you're judging others, and that feels like inappropriate to them. Right. If you had a strong point of view on something. Right. And and the idea of and you know you and I experience it both when we teach and direct. It's politeness is so full of shit. It's so <laughs> full of shit. I'm sorry. I'm noticing right now that 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 faith. Faith got me some booze. What's that booze in the back left corner? Is that wild turkey? She left some booze for the me. The famous grouse. The famous grouse. She left me booze. Well, that looks and great. I, I'm just noting. She's, she left. She stayed here, yeah. and she left little things for me to find. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, it's like an Easter egg hunt. That's good. I know. It, it continues. Exactly. 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 You never know when it'll end. No, and I'm, I'm really kind of curious because she left little things. <laughs> oh, she is a. She was, oh my god. Oh my no, god. I want to see what I can find. Right. Exactly. Well, you don't know what was, was here. Was that always not. here? Did you always have this flat screen TV? <laughs> Did I tell you? Okay, so I had a dream the other day. I, uh, we're, we're digressing, but that's what we do here. So. I, okay, I have this TV show, and I might have talked about it. This is the TV idea. Okay, it's, it's, okay, this is the show. Okay, you get a family. You get two families. Yeah. And the family's mother, father, and they're within the same age bracket. So it's two families. Uh, mother, father, say they're in their, their mid-30s, and they have three kids, let's say, 8, 11, and 14. Okay. Both. Side by side, living in side by side houses that are the same house. They're brand new houses. Okay. And they're living side by side. They're identical homes. Identical homes built by the same people with the same everything in it. Everybody can bring their own furniture in it. You can you can you can put whatever you want in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a game show. Oh. It's a game show. I thought you were gonna say reality show. It's a reality show and a game show. So okay. let's say it's a reality game show, sort right. of like Amazing Race. Yeah. Right? It is kind of an amazing race. I think I just added another element to it. So side-by-side houses, same family, two parents, yeah. two parents, two adults, and three children. Mm-hmm. These people can win $88 million. <laughs> yeah. They have eight years. <laughs> and here's the title of the show. What? Eat your house. What? They have to eat their house. They have eight years. They can make $88 million. If they eat their house. What do you mean eat their house? Are they what? Like How gingerbread much? houses? No, it's a house made out of stuff. How? Like out of regular bricks and mortar? Out of and wood? regular bricks and mortar and wood. 
How do regu- how they have to eat this and see if they don't die? No, no, no. You have to make it so that you will not die. Like somehow <laughs> you have to mix your... So slowly you mix a little bit of wood in with the cake that you're <laughs> making. Exactly. And you eat a little bit That's of that. That's why it's eight years, Mark. Right. That's why it's eight years. Because you have to very slowly do it. You have to very slowly do it. it and, 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 uh, and it's, yeah. So another element of this show would be where is the, where are the homes located? Because if they're out here in LA, because because the weather's nice, mm-hmm. so you could do that for eight years. You could eat half of your home and be in half of a home right. and still survive. Right. But if this were in like Pittsburgh, see that's another thing. That's that a, you would, that's another element of the show. This might be simultaneously houses in LA right. while you're in Pittsburgh, while you're in Nome, which they would just have igloos so that you don't want to do that. That's not fair. Right. Or somebody down fair. in Florida. Water. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like ice house. No fucking big deal. But you have, I, and I, it used to be four years, but I thought, Mm-mm. it's a two flat. It's not a two flat. It's just a, it's a, like a bungalow or a cottage. Why 88 million? Cause it's just, if I, if it's 60 million, I don't know that I would do it. Right. And eighty-eight million because it's eight years, eighty-eight million dollars. It's just—it's just one of those <laughs> it's things. Just, it's uh, the uh, alliteration. Yeah, of that exactly. Or, but mm-hmm. you got to make it—you got to make it worth people's while. Right. I think if somebody says, "If okay, here's the difference. If I said thirty million, you might not do it. Would Maybe. you eat your house for thirty million dollars? No, I don't know that I would eat my house for eighty-eight million dollars. I might try. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, let me ask you this: the oldest kid is fourteen, right? Right, but eight years later, he, right. That's why I made him fourteen. Has he moved out of the house? That's Can the whole he thing. Move out of the house. That's the whole thing. If he moves out of the house, can he not go to college? Here's the thing. That all that stuff. That's why I made three kids different ages <laughs> to watch them age and to see what happens. I think there has to be a rule there that says if you move out of the house, you don't get the money. Wow. So you this chi- this kid would have to go to a local or community college or Phoenix or get a trade right or get a trade <laughs> or get a trade right which because which is fine too we're le- we're hearing more and more about lately right yeah right <laughs> or there's also the too. nuclear family there's there's this thing okay you will be you'll be set for motherfucking life that's true they what do they need to worry about college for right. they eat their whole house right okay I have okay. But there's two families. Why isn't this just one family? Because what if one? Fa- who, it's a race. Who can do it first in right. eight years? Right. Who can do it first? Right. 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 <laughs> right. And so you would have it here because this show can run forever, like Amazing Race. So you would have it in L.A., but you yep. would also have it in Pittsburgh, and you'd also have it in Saskatoon. You right. would have it in different climates. This is fascinating. I've got a bunch of different ideas like that <laughs> that no one's ever asked me about, but I just tell people, uh, and it's like you can't you can't get away from that seat right now. So I got you. But how much stupider is it than there are Japanese game shows, right, where people have to, oh, right. where you've got people. They're worse than this. They are worse than this. Yeah. There's the idea of who. Oh, oh, here's another element of the house of the of the house of eat your house. I don't know if it's eat your house or eat my house. I'm not. Do you sure. have to eat the furniture and stuff too? See, that's something. Or is it too. just the walls? I think you. Have to you have to clean your plate. <laughs> I think I think that you, and the plate is you have to clean your plate, but you don't have to eat your plate. Your plate being the concrete. Right. Okay. The plate is because if your house is the meal, then the plate is the foundation. Fixtures? Do they have to eat like I, the shower head? <laughs> I think you have to eat the shower head. I don't, Mark, I think, like, like, what the fuck? This is not a fucking cake walk, cake house. This is not a cake house, which does remind me. At some point, some... these people will become disgusting. 
They wouldn't be able to bathe. None of their shit would work at but their house anymore. But that's the whole thing. You don't want to eat your water source first. Right. You want to eat part things. Of the drama. Like, exactly. How are you going to do it? What's the plan? Right. The one family would eat their shower heads right away. The other family would be like clean and showering till the end. And they'd be like, look at those assholes. Exactly. And then cut it up at the end and make a bula base out of showers. Yep. So it is... It, there, there's uh, okay, but this is Let's another element. Let's walk down the street and pitch this. We are I, blocks away from Paramount. I, uh, right now, now here, here's uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> so it is that there's a lot going on with this game show. There's, there's a, a lot, lot going, going on. on. There's a lot. There's a lot. And uh, oh, so the so the one game show that uh, the one game show uh, uh, that I saw in Japan. I don't know if there was who knows because they speak a different language. Um, it's called Japanese. Mm. The game show was they have three celebrities mm -hmm. poop in three. Oh, my God. And it's like pick the celebrity who matched the poop to the celebrity. No. So they I have mean, some... I, I believe it. I believe it. They have those. Those shows are crazy. Right. This is actually a, a, a part of the path, believe it or not, of the Japanese comedian. Like you start out working in clubs and then the next place they want to get to is graduate to I appear on these crazy ass game shows. And then if they if they become big on those game shows, then they could like get their own show and then maybe be in movies. But that's like a big part of their course and, and goal. Right. As like a comedian is like to get on these celebrity pooping shows. Right. That's where they right. want to get next. Yep. Yep. Got to yep. get on the celebrity pooping show. Wasn't there like a scare the shit out of somebody show too where they I've seen a couple. Well, yeah, because I've seen clips of it online. Yeah, yeah, where somebody's walking down this, walking down a hallway, and yeah. suddenly a, a fucking creature comes out. Someone dressed right. as a creature yeah. comes out. There was one where, like, somehow they had like a dude in a giant dinosaur, tyrannosaurus. Exactly like, right. Constantly, right. Like, just and running down so the hallway in like a boring office. Exactly. Just scaring the shit right. out of people. Right, 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 <laughs> right. And there's nothing wrong with that. What? What are the people thinking when they're they're going to work? They're headed to their cubicle. And a dinosaur pops out, right. an enormous dinosaur running after them. Right. They think, why would you run? I don't know that I would run, I guess I'm saying. Well, here's the thing. Wouldn't I think this, wouldn't I immediately think this couldn't be real? There aren't dinosaurs and there isn't a dinosaur. Mark, this Mark, has to be someone in a I want to point would out. Would I turn something. and run as if a real, would I think, oh my God, there's a T-Rex in here? I've Wait a minute. For my life? Wait a minute. I want to point something out to you. You of all people, because <laughs> there's you and Keegan yes. and Mary Beth and Kirk Hanley and Cherry, mm -hmm. right? And who else is there coming? Cherry Well, that might be all of them. Right? So, yeah. oh, oh, and, and, and uh, 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 Antoine. Right, Antoine McKay. Okay. So, okay. Well, I've told this story before. You were second scene in Detroit cast. That you directed. Detroit. Right. Yep. So that was, I was married at the time. Do you remember the story? I think I told I it with Mary Beth. I don't know what story you're going to tell. So. I was married at the time. It was yeah. my, but Katie was out here in LA, yeah. and I was in Detroit working with you guys. It was our anniversary. Yeah, and you were there. And and flowers. What flowers? This is about flowers. No, no. Okay, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. no, no. no. So okay. it was my it was my anniversary. Yeah, and uh, it was our anniversary. And I said, you know what, guys, I want to go to a bar. Let's come to a bar with me. I want to go to a bar. <laughs> Do you remember the story? No. Is it coming together? Uh -huh. So I want to go to this bar and we all go, okay, we'll go to this bar. Because I don't want to be alone because it's my anniversary and I miss my wife and, and all that. And if yeah. we all go out. So we so we plan to go to this bar and I think, you know what? Let's go to this other bar instead. So we go to this other bar and I, we're standing at the, we're all at the bar. I don't remember <laughs> the bar was. And we're all standing at the bar 
and this homeless woman comes in. Yeah, welcome to Detroit, Dave. Right? This homeless woman <laughs> comes in, and she's got this dirty red hair, and yeah. she's in a nasty sheet, a bed sheet, <laughs> and she beelines right to me, and we're all standing there. She fucking beelines <laughs> right to me, and she goes, and she says, hi, David. Oh. I'm like, what? And, and uh, I go, what? And she goes, how long are you here? I'm like, what? what? How, what are you doing here? What are you doing in Detroit? And I went, I'm directing a show. And she said, Katie says hello. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? Today's a special day for you, is it? I just want you to know also, your dogs are okay. Everybody's okay. Everything's fine. And she, and at that moment I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? At that moment, if she sprouted wings and flew out of there, I would have gone, no, that makes sense. Because at that moment, it was magic. It was fucking magic. Right. And all you guys were standing around going, do you need some help? Or what should we do here? Or I think somebody said, why don't you just leave them alone? And you were like, I'm talking to God right now. <laughs> right. And I went, back off, what? <laughs> and she, And then she said, then she read me a poem. Oh, she asked my, and she said, your dad's okay. What? And I'm going, what, what's happening? What's happening? And I'm going, what's happening? And I felt myself get all, like hot on the inside where you're going, again, where you go, I don't know what's going on. And she, she read me this poem. She took off her sheet and she's wearing this filthy Superman outfit. You don't remember any of this? No. Did she have a giant tattoo of you on her stomach? <laughs> I didn't get that far. So she takes that off and then she takes out this poem. And then I watch, I look at Keegan. I look at everybody yeah. and I look at Keegan and I see Keegan, Keegan crack a smile. He called up Katie. Oh my God. And connected him because he used to do, if I'm not mistaken, he used to do singing telegrams or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 something like that. Right? So he set, this is a woman. Oh my God. That set that, he, he, he had this woman do this bit. A bit that she does. Oh, my God. And she read me a poem that Katie had written. And she let me in on it. And, and I was a noodle after that. But in that moment, I believed anything was possible. Let's think about this. What if she never took off that garment? She just turned around and left. And no one ever told you the truth. And you never knew. <laughs> right? Think of how how that would have affected the rest of your life. I know. I have to find that woman. Everyone, here's a picture of her. It's like, what? That can be anybody. The great thing. You would have been seeing psychics. You would have been like, there's something, there's something else out there. Well, but, but, in, but in that moment that I believed that, that was my truth. How cool is that? In that moment right. that I'm going, what's happening? Right. I, it, I, I believe that. And the fact that then she took the veil, you know, she removed the veil, she opened the curtain and showed me the lady behind the curtain, you know, um, when she did that, uh, I, I was like, oh my God, how beautiful that whole performance was that she did. 
how committed to it that she was and how committed y'all were to that too because y'all were in on it wow i'm not surprised that you remember it because there was a lot going on there but I believe that you were there. I thought that you were there. Maybe and there you were so there. many crazy homeless people around. Uh, right. Working, and so, in working and living in downtown Detroit for right? several years. So they, they all kind of blur together at some point. Absolutely. So, in the moment, <laughs> so the moment that someone says, you know, like, okay, and then, and then this raptor, what's it called? Raptor? Velociraptor? Yeah, it was like a You know, Velociraptor running down. It's like, I fucking believe it. Like, why not? Why not? But also how, like, even when you were telling me that story just now, and I and I don't remember this happening, but even when you were telling me that story, like, for a moment, like, I was in it with you just now as you were telling me, and it's like, for a moment, what if, what if this is real? What if, like, what, the, the like, the, the, the doors that that opens suddenly of, like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, again, Somehow. what if, like, at that moment, if, she, I swear to God, if she sprouted wings and flew out of that place, I'd go, well, that just totally makes sense. That absolutely and totally makes sense. Right. It was probably one of the most magical moments of my entire life. Wow. That's better than the time I had a homeless guy in downtown Detroit try to sell me a brand new microwave out of the box for $10 that he clearly just It's made. very similar. I don't know why you're not comparing that. <laughs> Although this, this was a good one, too. Um, our, our mutual friend, Mark, uh, Evan Jackson, and I were, uh, were driving to the Town Pump of Bar in Detroit, and there was a muddy lot, you know, next to the next to the bar. And people just used it as a parking lot, even though it wasn't a parking lot. And there was a very um, industrious uh, homeless dude who decided to uh, to act like he was a parking attendant that night? <laughs> so we we pull into the lot and and here's this dude, clearly homeless, just wrecked, wearing rags, literally urine down the side of his pants, just po pointing us in, like pointing us in, showing us what spot to park in, and waving us in. Right. And then we get out of the car and he goes ten dollars. <laughs> Did like, you give him? No, we were like, come on, man. Although we should have just to reward the right. effort. It's like, look like, at you. Good for you, man. If he could good make, you. if he could park five cars of chumps. <laughs> I bet he did, because people would come from the suburbs and just right. have no idea. No, well, you would think, they're not going to make me park on the street in Detroit. Right, <laughs> in the Cass Corridor. Exactly, in the Cass <laughs> Corridor. And that's another thing, like that whole experience of living in the Cass Corridor. Uh, Bagley and Cass is, I was I had staying at the Ramada Inn over at Bagley and Cass. Yep. And, uh, and what a fucking dump that was. And yep. it was like somebody Part of it was Section 8 housing, part of that building. Well, but, but oh, yeah, of, right, right, right. Wow. Yeah, like some of the floors of that. Right. Well, I, I walked, remember walking in an elevator, and I remember uh, walking in an elevator, and somebody had a cigarette, an unlit cigarette, and it said, you got a smoke? And I'm like, have you got a light? I was like, no, I don't have a light. I think I did, because I was smoking at the time. <laughs> and then somebody else walked in, smoking. People smoked in elevators. Like, you can't even smoke in elevators in right. 1920. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right, right. People smoking in this elevators ended going. 80 years ago. And, 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 but here's well, the thing. was wild. People, this, this is it's hard for people to understand about Detroit. Like, it was downtown. It was so abandoned that it was lawless. I am not exaggerating. Many times, I literally saw tumbleweeds. Actual fucking tumbleweeds going down Woodward Avenue, right. the main street of downtown Detroit. Right. Nobody obeyed traffic lights right. downtown. Right. I never stopped at a red light. I'd slow down, look, and just drive through it. Right. There were, nobody paid meters. Right. There were meters. I used to get tickets when I moved from Detroit to Chicago because I was like, you don't really have to pay these, right? <laughs> 
You know, because there were meters, but there were nobody. There was nobody checking the meters. Right. No. 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 I remember somebody saying because I walked from Bagley and Cass to uh, Hockey Town. Yeah. Which is probably, what, four blocks? Yeah. Four blocks. And, four a, blocks. and at that time, a dangerous four blocks. Well, no, here's the thing. It wasn't. Because it was so abandoned. Because it was so abandoned. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, walking by a parking lot and looking looking in, uh, into a park, looking, uh, uh, it was like, park this way, and, and, and looking and going, what's going on in that parking lot? And noticing that. It used to be a movie palace that they turned into a fucking parking lot, yeah. like the Chicago Theater movie palace, That's or right. you know anything downtown. The Orpheum here turning that into a fucking parking lot. And you go in. Do you remember us taking pictures there? Yeah, yeah. They, they actually Eminem shot a bunch of scenes there in, right. the, in his Eight Mile movie. Right, 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 right. Yeah. In that location and yeah. going, what happened, Detroit? Yeah. What happened? And what gets me about the whole thing is we still you had uh, Planet Ant. The theater over there. There were artists. There were artists there, and there are artists there now. That's right. And the idea that you need all that you need, what you really need is just a group of fucking people who agree with each other to have an art community. That's true. And you know, I, there's so much bad press about Detroit, you know, lately, and a lot of it's well deserved and the bankruptcy and all that. But ironically, downtown, that area that we were living and working in at that time is so much better than it used to be. It's vastly improved. City's done great work. There's been a lot of building. A lot of people have moved down there. There's so much more going on there. It's a lot safer than it used to be. And there's mm -hmm. restaurants and bars and the right. arenas and all this stuff now. But especially at that time, it was abandoned. But the art, just yesterday um, in Detroit, the, the RoboCop statue was unveiled. I mean, this comes to mind when you're talking about artists. These artists... It, this, these artists in Detroit just had this idea of like, you know what? We think there should be a 10-foot-tall bronze statue of RoboCop somewhere downtown. Right. So they did a Kickstarter for it. Of course they raised the money in like no time. Right. And they've had this thing made. And it's being it, – it, yesterday it was like unveiled and it's going to be placed somewhere downtown. And it's like <laughs> artists – it's like just having an idea and doing artsy things. That's the and thing. people were there to support it too immediately. Right. It got a ton of press. It, uh, it they they made their Kickstarter money in no time. Well, it's the same sort of thing that that where you look at it, you go what 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 genre is that? What genre of sculpture is that? And it's the same genre of sculpture that is Rocky at the Philadelphia Art Museum. You know the stairs that he ran up. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. a there's a, right. a huge statue of him there. Right. The Kickstarter thing really just inspires me. me the too. idea that I that this movie that I'm doing on Sunday called The Group. Is it was it funded? It was crowdfunded. Fun, it, was, it was crowdfunded. Yeah. It was crowdfunded, crowdsourced. So if if you wanna have a discussion about the evils of social media, go back in your fucking house and turn on your motherfucking Fox News. Because this is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. We are in a world that has less and less borders. There are no fucking borders. Right. I don't think there are borders. Right. And the idea of, because of, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about, she was saying, what, I don't know why I'm here, I don't know what, what my, my purpose in this life is. Yeah. And I said, well, first off, your purpose in this life is not to ask what your purpose in this life is. Because if you start to pigeonhole yourself or box yourself in, why you want to do that? Because you're here to do whatever it is that you can do. And the moment that you say that you can't do that, or that's not for you because you're not that kind of a person, uh -huh. but you still have the drive to do that, why not do that? Mm -hmm. At the end of your life, at the end of your life, your life is ended. 
and, and like and like you're saying, the walls are coming down, and so, you know, it, it, for us as artists, and there's a there's a more level playing field that there's ever been, and there's opportunities through through crowdfunding, through so many things online to get our work seen, to get our work heard, to get our work noticed, to get our work funded. This is why we have to care, not to get too preachy. This is why we have to care as artists about net neutrality. Right. Because they because they want to put the walls back up. Right. And we have to make sure they don't put the walls back up. I also believe that should they put the walls back up, something is going to happen to there's going to be something else because because I hope inspiration so. is water. It's fluid. It's going to find what it is that it is going to find when it's going need needs to be found. And something is going to happen. And inevitably someone is going to want to put a, the put a structure around this free thing to dam it up in order to use the water coming to create more financial energy. And I'm going to go, no. No, 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 no. Uh, my issue, and it goes back to this, is it's not okay to be stupid about it. If you go, someone else will take care of it, I'm not going to bitch about it. Right. I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. We're online right now talking about this. Yeah, and it's, it, 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 it will affect everything. Right. It, it, it doesn't look good right now either. No. <laughs> no, it does not. No. And the shocking thing for me is, what the fuck? That's the shocking thing. The shocking thing for me is the same thing, the shocking thing for me with climate climate uh, change, uh, what global warming, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's like, really? Really? Okay, so there's that 1% doctrine, that book, the 1% doctrine. Yeah. That So the book is this. It's Cheney saying if there's 1% chance that a terrorist will attack us, why not do something about it? Right. So I don't understand where if there's a 1% chance there's something called global warming that we're affecting it, why not do the same thing? Right. Carry that over. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and we've actually got 97% of the scientific community in agreement that there is some, that there's climate change happening. Absolutely. But right. the fact is that now there's a war on, on facts. Right. And when there's a war on facts, like, how does this happen? Right, how right, right. is there a war on facts? Um, there was, Samantha Bee just did this satirical thing, on, not satirical, because it's really news about the liberal, liberal people going, we, you know what, um, vaccines. Why, vac why vaccinate anybody? Right. And you're going, what the fuck are you motherfucking talking about? Right. The vaccines don't work. Really? Well, what about the facts that show that they work? Well, I could show you facts that they don't work. Really? It's interesting that you're saying, I'm interested in what you just said about it. It's not really satirical, it's news. Right. John, there's this, there's this net neutrality piece of, that John Oliver did that's, you know, that, that went viral. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's funny. Look, I haven't thought about that in the way you just said it. It's like, it's funny. I actually think that's a news segment with jokes. Absolutely. But Absolutely. He's explaining, he's like, here's the issue. Right. Here's what's happening. Right. I they, mean, he's taking a position on the issue. A point of view. He has a point of view. A strong point of view. But he builds to that. Right. A lot of it is new, a news story. Right. It's like a 13-minute piece. Well, what are you looking at? You're looking at the foundation of that as a fucking news story. It's not like man doesn't like woman. It's not like any of those things. It's not, it's not like kittens. It's a motherfucking news story. And, and it's everything that you and I have ever worked on at Second City. The idea sure. of we take something and we and what is it that you're passionate about? Politically, what is it that you're passionate about? Societally, what is it that you're culturally? What is it that you're passionate about? And let's take that spin on it. But let's have a strong fucking opinion about it. Right. And, and let's do it right. So you look at John Oliver, you look at uh, 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 you look at um, uh, John Stewart and and you say, yeah, you know what? When he 
when Jon Stewart goes, let's go to camera three, and they do that little segment, you know what I mean, yeah. where he does that, and you go, this, it's fucking getting down. He's like, listen, the world is melting, right. and we're not fucking doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand? This yeah, is not yeah. about the, So at that moment that he breaks the fourth wall by going to camera three, which is just there's an interesting thing, he breaks the fourth wall by going to camera three. I'm looking at him thinking, fucking tell it, man. Tell it. Right. And so when Colbert's gone, there's that voice that's going to be gone. That's true. There's that. We go back to to what we started with, as we always do. Yeah, because he's because he's um, he is sort of filling a, a niche that you know no one else out there right now is filling. Right. He's doing a very specific thing. Right. That no one else right now is doing. So maybe somebody else will come along and do that. Well, you look at what John. Or maybe Oliver's it'll doing. be gone and we'll miss it. But there's know. also John Oliver's doing that right now. Yeah. I mean, he in a way is taking that over, although it's not a daily show; it's a weekly show. Right. And he's able to he's going into a lot more depth on the the stuff that he's right. stuff that he's tackling. Right. Now, would you pay more to see that online? I'm going to back to net well, neutrality. I don't wanna pay more for any of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 No, I don't want it. Right. That's true. But it what is what we're also talking about here is because I think also net neutrality is also about what's the idea that you have and it's the feeling of everybody gets a level playing field. We all start with the foundation of there's this thing called uploading and there's this thing called downloading and that's what you do. And as an artist, I will upload my stuff so you can download it and you and you just, I just want you to fucking watch it. It's a meritocracy, and they don't want it to be that. Right. They want to pick and choose the winner so they can profit off that. Absolutely. And they don't give a shit what the, what, they don't give a shit what the content is because it doesn't matter. Right. Right. Although maybe it does matter because what's the majority, I think, of, you know, what's, <laughs> uh, how many bits per second can you make off of porn? Because that's probably the one thing that's, you know, can't we make it so that we tax porn and then everybody, porn online, <laughs> and then go. everybody else, you know, it's like the 1%. That's probably the solution right, right. there. Just tax, just tax <laughs> porn at a higher bit rate so that we can then spread it out. It's not, it's not the $88 million eat your house thing, but it's an idea. It's a start. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's, it's such... It's about getting excited. We can be cynical about it. We can be, yeah, what's the point? Or we can do what John Stewart and John Oliver are doing. We can say, no, here's the point. Because the moment that you get cynical about something, cynicism is the death of anything creative. Where you're going, oh, I'll just sit back and let somebody else do it. Do you have a point of view? Let's fucking hear about it. But my point of view is know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Snopes your life. Mm-hmm. Bumper stickers should be issued. Snopes your life, you know? Be curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that's certainly the work that, that's certainly what we, what we learn at Second City, uh, you know, and the work that we do at, and have done at Second City has been, I think I learned so much there. I think two things come to mind for me about point of view. One is I learned, I learned what it is to have a point of view and how to house it in a comedic idea. And sometimes my ideas are great and sometimes they're not so great, but I learned how to go at that. The other thing I learned that I think affected my broader life is um, how to get in a room with five other people. There's usually six people in a Second City cast 
and hear their points of view and be not only be able to accept and tolerate them, but go out there and be in a scene supporting their point of view, even if I don't agree with their point of view. And that was, that was a, when I first got into Second City, I was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. That was a big, big deal to me mm-hmm. of like, well, here's, I'm this white kid from this lower, from this blue collar, lower middle-class suburb. And I'm in a room with a, a lot different people of different race, of ethnicities, economic class. And we got to all come together and create something of religious backgrounds and sometimes I'm and I so I have to hear and accept your point of view, and sometimes I have to go out and support it, even though I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. That's like a life changing experience, I think. Well, you don't go into that if you're not able to work that out. So what I'm saying is, you got hired because someone saw that you were mm-hmm. able to uh, surrender to the the group mind. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, right. That's the way. That's the that's the way to put it, right? Yeah. Surrender to the group mind. Yeah. So, uh, and the moment that we surrender to the group mind, you go, it's the group mind. It's not my mind. It's the group mind, and we got to support the group mind. But yeah. someone saw in someone saw you and said, he is open toward that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are open toward that. So the moment you go, oh, because I do remember thinking, oh, I'm on stage, and I think it happened for me at I.O., where, oh, I don't have to worry about anything other than paying attention to what that guy said mm-hmm. or that woman said mm-hmm. and to support what that woman said. Yeah. And the moment that I support what that woman said, she gets a feeling on the inside. It's kinesthetic response of, oh, Someone just responded to something that I did. I'm going to keep doing that so that he keeps responding in that way. I'm going to keep responding in this way so that he keeps responding in that way. Right, and that's right, right. what point of view is because I recognize what it is that you're doing in that moment. Yeah. And so, and I, I've been using this phrase lately. I know that you know that I know that you know that I know what you're doing. <laughs> Do you follow me on that? You've just blown my mind. <laughs> but you understand what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in that moment, we have an understanding of, we have, a, we have a code that the audience doesn't know. Right. And the code is this. Let's just do it. We can do that. Okay? You with me? Yeah, you with me. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. That's the code. Right. Right, right, right. I know that you know that I know that you know that I know what you're doing. Right. That's sort of our metaphysical connection as, as players and improvisers. But it, it, right? it's the bottom line. It's yeah. the foundation. It's the plate upon which yeah. the house is being built that you're going to eat. It's that thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, I remember going out with to lunch with Naima Funk, who has been a very good friend of mine for many years now, but we had just met and we were working together at Second City and we went out to lunch because we were assigned to write a scene together. And uh, we, we barely knew each other. And um, she's African-American, the daughter of brilliant college professors and uh, at, at University of Michigan. And, you know, I, I, I'm this white kid from this, you know, very working class, blue collar background. And we decided to write this kind of race scene. And, and I remember I said to her, I said, it was, it was like the first time in my life I, I kind of saw things from this point of view and I said, what do black people think of white people? What do black people think of white people? Like, I know what white people think of black. I know what the stereotypes are. But what do black people think of white people? What'd she say? She said, do you smile all the time? <laughs> <laughs> and you're always trying to be happy. Uh-huh. And you have names like Bob. <laughs> she has a name like Naima and she sits back and right and then she put them all together and she said you know white guys will walk in smiling and happy and go hey Bob how are you I'm good Bob how are you 
You know, but this was like a mind altering experience right for me. It, it, like just it, getting, seeing the world from this different point of view I and, and to go <laughs> and but here the great thing is to be curious about it yeah yeah to ask that question yeah instead of saying <laughs> oh i bet they think this of me or i bet think they think that of me and this is only and then you realize oh this is just naima yeah i mean it's not just naima but that's naima's point of view. that's right that's right that's right that's her specific point of view right that's her specific point of view. Not everyone may answer that. Not every African-American person that I would ask would answer that question in right. the same way. But no, but, but having that, but knowing that too, or sort of having, yeah, sort of understanding that too is a thing. Understanding what? That she's, that she's speaking for herself, right? And that there are, would be different point of views within the African-American community on what pe white people are like. Right. And, and, then, and then you pull back more and you think, okay, what about uh, uh, the idea of college professors' offspring? There's, what do they think? How do that's, they that's think? Right. right? Uh, people that live in Michigan, what do they think? Right. And then you start realizing, oh my God, there's so many different ways that we can compartmentalize things. Yeah, well said, yeah. Um, but the moment that you walk into an elevator where someone just farted, you're all smelling that air. <laughs> and lights. <laughs> okay, let's stop there. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much. Today's episode was sponsored by Italian-based blues band Veronica and the Red Wine Serenaders, winner of the 2013 European Blues Challenge. For more information on their new album, The Mexican Dress, you can go to their website at www.redwineserenaders.it. Summer is going away like your daddy is going for good. I never felt so dark gone down. I wanna is my worry and mine. I have a simple cue for my soul to free my mind, my heart, and I know my dancing shoes are red and shine. I wanna boogie all over tonight. And I'm gonna dance this blues away like the preacher gonna let me sway. Hold my hips, grip me tight, we'll live our dreaming. I'm in summer night, I'm gonna wear that Mexican dress. Put some flowers in my hair, silver rings, red lipstick. There'll be a party downtown tonight. There'll be a party downtown tonight. There'll be a party. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley.